Hello and welcome to Wine Blast. I'm Susie Barry and I'm here with my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards. And in this episode, we're diving headlong into Bordeaux, but of a slightly different hue than you might imagine. Yeah, we're all about the whites this time. Um, so not just the reds or even or even the base. All you know. about the base, about the base, about the base. <laughs> okay, sorry. Can't believe I gave you that cue. You did, you uh, cued yeah, me up there. Sorry, sorry if I, I need to sing. Um, Feeling but, happy. But, yeah, well, thank you for picking up my wordplay at the very least. Um, <laughs> shoddy though it is. We're talking about the Blanc of Bordeaux, the great whites. Um, not forgetting the fizz and the sweet wines too, like, like fine sauterne, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of this, I think the white wines of Bordeaux is a fascinating and delicious side to the region that's not often given enough airtime and you know it's properly historic we should talk about this more did you know for example that Bordeaux used to be mainly white not red Um, and that Saint-Emilion at one time was 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 pretty much all white rather than the things you learn on a podcast (laughs) who'd have thought Who'd have thought? So, so this is the the second part of our Bordeaux mini-series in partnership with the Bordeaux Wine Council, or CIVB. In the first part, which was Bordeaux in 2021, Series 2, Episode 19, we talked about the the bigger picture of Bordeaux and the red wines. Um, I seem to remember some sort of traumatic pop quiz I was forced to endure, including which, yeah, yeah included bats. There were bats. I think there were moths. Moths moth, and bats. Moths and bats. You know, what uh, else would you expect from a, a, an episode on a Red Bordeaux? Little quiz. Uh, we also, which you would expect, we spoke to Bordeaux expert Jane Anson and mm. Jan Todeschini of, of Chateau Mongo in Saint Emilion about lots of things from um, mm-hmm. not bats particularly, but um, non fungible tokens, mm, NFTs, NFTs. NFTs. Um, space aged wine. I think we got into WhatsApp yeah. goats, goats not the bats, but they? the goats. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that one, do check it out. Um, you don't have to, but of course, but it, it, it is part of this mini series. Um, just to say, I think Jane. Uh, Anson has actually launched her new website now, which mm-hmm. I think we mentioned back then. But anyway, she's it's gone live. Do check it out. It's janeanson.com, I think. Uh, and apparently she's even got NFTs on her site. Has she did? We might learn what they are. We might, we might finally work out. Finally but also work out uh, what there's a bit of podcast action, which is, is a bit more familiar to us. Apparently there's a bit of podcast action on her website oh. as well. So it's well worth looking out for that too. Absolutely. So we also promised a, a Bordeaux wine giveaway in our first Bordeaux episode. We haven't forgotten that. Mm. It will be coming in our third yeah. and concluding part of this mini trilogy coming very soon so keep your ear to the ground for that as well I do think we keep finding ourselves saying we haven't forgotten about things just to say well, just to convince ourselves that we're not <laughs> we, going completely we mad I would also say that we will get round to do I, I won't forget it's on our list um, anyway, it's on my list know, of things, things to do all good things come to those who wait um, so coming up in this episode we have interviews with the brilliant Lord Lambert Campero of Chateau Sigalas Rabot uh, in Sauternes as well as rebel winemaker Olivier Cazenave of Chateau de Belle in Entre de Mer um, we've also got some delicious Bordeaux whites to recommend. We well. have indeed. I've got some in my glass I right see, now. I, I can't wait to get it. going, but I might have to wait, mightn't I? <laughs> Slap my hands. Stop, stop, stop. Before that, coming back to Jane Anson, actually, we really enjoyed hearing her fascinating views and tips on Bordeaux in general mm. and Reds in particular in our first instalment. So we wanted to get her views on the on the dry whites and the sweets too. And here's what she had to say. I've been a big fan of, of Bordeaux white for a long time as well I agree I support it and I also if we go back to that question of you want to buy a Bordeaux for five euros five pounds I would go white if, if you're thinking of at the lower end of the scale getting quality without having to spend more money I think white is probably the most reliable 
kind of, of wine you're going to get in Bordeaux because the way that they make it now there's so much work that has been done in understanding how to keep those aromatics really beautiful and, and precise um, Denis de Bourdieu, who sadly is mm. no longer with us, but he did so much research, which really did get out to the winemakers and help them understand what to do. Um, and so I, I think there, there are some brilliant, brilliant wines. And if you want a more foodie style, a more structured style, go to Pesat Leonian. If I had to pick one appellation probably to drink for, forever and I wasn't allowed any others, mm. I'd probably go Pesat because you have great whites as well as great reds. And there's a balance in them, but there's also a sexiness in them. You know, they're not afraid to, to, to make a wine, which if you took into a dinner party and you gave it to your friends, that you know that they'd like it and that they'd feel it was a bit of an occasion. Like wines like Smith Oak Lafitte White, you know, or even Les Oak de Smith White, which is the cheaper one. I love that wine. And I really always feel confident that if I open it for friends who are not wine lovers, they will say, oh, this is an awesome wine. What is it? And um, that's, you know, that's fun. And what about the sweet wines? Well, okay. So sweet wines, with the best will in the world, they still need to find a way to engage with consumers. They still need to find a way to, to get back to being relevant. It's a very, you know, they are beautiful wines. They're made in this artisan style, which, which is not for the faint hearted. And the poor things every year, it seems recently, because we've had such changeable climate and this kind of strange thing where very wet, then very dry, it, it, it's hard for the for them because they need a little bit of damp at the end of the summer. They need those mists to to produce the noble rot. So we're seeing over and over again very 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 small yields, and they were already small yields. So in the best years, you'll tend to find that you'll get about a bottle of wine per vine for for red, and about a glass of wine per per vine for for the sweet wines. But today, even that, they'll be lucky if they get that. You know, there've been so many years where they're getting five hectolitre per hectare yields, that kind of, you know, and it, it's just not sustainable. So I, I, I really hope so much that they find a way to connect. And we are seeing that, I think that's probably the best part of Bordeaux for wine tourism. We're seeing great hotels opening around Sauterne um, and, and the, the, the chateaus are getting more restaurants going. I saw just recently that Giro's doing a, a farmer's market for producers across Aquitaine and those kind of things is what they, they need to do that they need to find ways to get people to to Sauterne because when they taste them then you know people invariably fall in love with them mm. I think you've got to have a couple of good cocktails as well I have a, a, one of my other recommendations for a Sauterne cocktail would be have a bit of, of Sauterne have some champagne and have some blood orange juice put them all together maybe with a little bit of ice and a slice of, of orange. And it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I think we just need to be a bit more fun about how we approach it. Sauterne, champagne and blood orange juice. Yeah, that just sounds, so, sounds like the best breakfast ever. I think it's my idea of, of, of a yeah. perfect cocktail. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love blood orange. Anyway, but um, it's certainly fun. And I think mm. Bordeaux, Bordeaux, to be fair, needs a bit of that. I think so. It's, it? it almost sounds heretical, but equally, it sounds fun. And you think that's yeah. probably a good sign. Why not? Why you not? Know, it's, it sounds a funny one in general, isn't it? it? You know, it's 
it's so hard to make. You have to make it so painstakingly mm-hmm. and you need the right conditions for it to be made. Um, but relatively speaking, you know, it's seriously undervalued for what it is, isn't it? Most of it, yeah. 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 I mean, well, not, all, not the top names, no. but, um, but no, most no, of no, it. Most but of even it. then, what well, you'd argue, Ekem, you know, how does it stack up value-wise to other things in terms mm. of what, how it's made yields? I don't know, but, you know... It, Tiny it's, yields, all that sort the, of thing. The one thing is, it can be delicious and seriously age-worthy, seriously fine wine. Yeah. And it can make a really good match for food, can't it? Um, yeah, right things. food. The right foods. Exactly, the right food. So savoury things like cheese, yeah, which you cheese. wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, and it can also be an aperitif if you like that kind of thing. You know, and I suppose, what's the classic style of Sauternes? It's pretty luscious, isn't it? It's lusciously yeah. sweet. You've got the sort what? of the honey, yes. apricot, barley sugars, yeah. those, those kind of marzipan so that noble characters. Rock, which is quite an important element of the style, which is what yeah. dehydrates the berry and concentrates it and also yeah. gives it f- extra flavour. Sort of yeah. that. What, yeah. How would you define precisely this kind of barley sugar? It's hard it's to describe, of, I think. I mean, people use terms like I mean because it depends what works for you people say yeah. cookie dough there, there is a certain marzipan character to it barley sugar cookie dough like the uncooked dough somehow mm. and it's very distinctive it just it is. is very it distinctive, really it? is yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so, so that that is definitely there in, in Sauterne but I mean just going just moving on a little bit it's interesting to hear Jane's views on the dry whites from Bordeaux too isn't it mm. um, especially I thought that value tip you know if you yeah, want the best value at the cheaper end go white mm, that's fair enough isn't it? You know, yeah. we're also we've always been great fans of Denis de Bourdieu, lovely man, much mm. missed, um, and he was so important for Bordeaux and and the development of its yeah. white wines, wasn't he? I think the whites you know. really came on with with his help. They they developed. They've always been important, yeah. but actually they just got to a new league, new level. New level. Yes, I mean that that wine we always oh what was it? You know, talking memory, Doisy Diane, Doisy Diane Sec. Yes, yeah, yeah. We which we bought a lot of and yeah. absolutely loved it. I mean, I've we? always been a massive fan of white Bordeaux. You know, they're not often the best known wines, but they can be fantastic, can't they? You yeah. Know, um, yes, yeah, yeah. Bordeaux can do affordable fresh whites, which is a point well made by Jane. You know, but the best for me, you know, are when they're Well, for both of us, I think, and you're complex. going to say oaked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're so distinctive in that style, aren't they? With a sort of piercing citrus character, but also quite exotic tangerine notes and nutty and creamy. Mm. They're quite hedonistic, really, but always kind of, kind of quite fresh and foody. Yeah. Um, well, what just, was, that, just what was that wine that blew you away? What was the was wine the, that blew me away? The, the, you, the you one do that was seven of you. You know, you know, that, that yeah. Pavillon Blanc. Pavillon Blanc de Chateau Margaux or by Chateau Margaux. I mean, it's just the most phenomenal Bordeaux white. Um, totally captivating. Mm. Uh, I'll always, it's funny, isn't it? With wines like that, I'll always remember where we were. We were in that lovely sunny garden and, mm. and who we were with, you know, our mm. lovely friends um, very who were very generous. They were generous because they brought the wine. <laughs> yes, it was nothing to do with us, was it? But um, yeah, yeah, you know, really mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. Mind-blowing so these wines can good. be really fine, really memorable. And I think. They can also be pretty diverse in style, you know. Um, they are. The, the, the main two main grapes are Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon, which we know sort of pretty well. They are ninety-two percent of of the white grape plantings in Bordeaux. The but there's also a bit of Muscadel and a few others in the mix, like Sauvignon Gris. So that diversity is important as well. But you know, the, the, the whites are usually blended, but it can vary, and, and they're grown all over the region, so they can crop up in in really unexpected. Places, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. when I went to Bordeaux recently and, and I was in Santa Emilia and I, and I tasted a Chardonnay that had been grown in Santa Emilia. I mean, you don't expect it, but mm. it's there. And actually, there's a bit of history to that too. Yeah, as well. yeah. So, I mean, what, was the, what was the point you were making though about Santa Emilion being white back in the day? Yeah, exactly. you, know, so, you know, I, I, I genuinely didn't know that. And a lot, some of this comes from Jane's excellent book, Inside, Inside Bordeaux by Jane Hansen. You know, if you go back to the Middle Ages, some areas of Bordeaux, like Santa Emilion, were pretty much all white wine. Um, you know, we'll touch on That's it a bit amazing, later on. Isn't it? But, yeah, but really. Jane says that in 1969, 
whites accounted for 59% of all declared harvests. So, you know, by far the majority of wine in Bordeaux, as recently as the late 60s, was white. You know, red wine only overtook whites for the first time in 1970. So Bordeaux, thinking of Bordeaux just as a red region, is fairly recent. Even, you know, what was claret, claret, the the origin of that word, seems to be, almost certainly to have been a blend of of whites and Like rosé, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. But to be be fair, now what you're saying really is the picture is is very different, isn't it? Exactly. Of course, you know, only 9% of Bordeaux's vineyard is white these days, you know, and four-fifths of that is for dry and one-fifth is for sweet. So it's a it's, teeny amount of sweet. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, it's, it's really small. They're pretty small numbers all around, aren't they? But, you know, Jane Anson makes the point that this is just as much about fashion and consumer demand as it is about terroir. You know, that there's great potential for white wines all over Bordeaux. You know, and one producer I was speaking to said white is starting to come back a bit, but partly because it's easier to make and sell it at the cheaper end at the moment, which is obviously a great reason. But, you know, there could be a shift back towards that over time. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, although I imagine with climate change, you might actually expect more red, to be honest. Mm, Uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, won't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it could go either way and not just because of climate change. You can harvest whites early and you can still make them really, really well. So, you know, you never know. So so who who, who knows? Anyway, Mm. anyway, let's move on to our first interview. We were were lucky enough to secure some time with uh, Laure de Lambert Compero, winemaker and co-owner of Chateau Sigalas Rabot. Uh, that's a first growth so turn property not very far from Chateau d'Iquem very famous mm. Iquem uh, she had uh, Law had a successful career in Paris in antiques and advertising before she joined the family business the wine business as the sixth generation that's not bad going is it sixth wow. generation yeah but I mean oh. you know let's face it You've got to be pretty brave. Yeah. Join at that yeah. point. You know, yeah. she's not afraid of a challenge. We know that with Laure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I asked her what she felt about the white wines of Bordeaux. Huh. I'm very excited uh, because uh, Bordeaux uh, was white before. Bordeaux before 1977 was white and today really red. When people think Bordeaux, they think red. And for me, it's something like to 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 reappropriate my story, and that's why I'm very I was very excited to to uh, to explore uh, the Semillon, uh, an old forgotten grape variety, actually. You've been described as as a, a rupturist or a disruptor in Sauterne. Why is that? <laughs> I like to explore new solutions. Uh, when you are in a great terroir, uh, you, went, you want to try many things. Uh, at Sigalas Rabo, uh, we can do everything. Uh, when you, it's like when you have a nice car, you like to push it to see what is uh, under the hood. And for me, it's exactly the same. I like to talk to the border, but I never compromise with quality. Uh, um, I never go out of the border. Now, as part of this um, disrupting, you've introduced a, a no-sulfur-added wine, Le Cinq de Sigalas Rabot, which is a sweet, one of your sweet wines. Can you tell us about your approach and your rationale with that wine? Always in the same sense, to explore uh, what the great terroir can give. Uh, like many people in Bordeaux, I'm very interested in ecology, working with less inputs, but uh, uh, I also have a classic a classical approach to wine. Uh, wine does, doesn't make itself. Uh, I don't feel like a naturalist. I'm very pragmatic and quality always uh, above all. That's, that's what I try to do with the five, uh, something new to explore. 
and with the magical botrytis, yeah. And have, has it been successful not adding sulfur? Uh, I think it's different. Uh, it's different because it's no potential of aging, that's sure. And uh, the wine oxidates very, very quickly. Uh, but but I like the aromas in the beginning. It's like when you are in, in front of your tank. So that's... Uh, so you can uh, smell the... Smell the aroma. Exotic fruits, and it gives acidity to the wine. Uh, I I think it reflects the our original terroir too, and but in another way, and that's really interesting. So the Le Sanc is deliberately an early drinking, a younger drinking wine. Yeah, Uh, it's like a rosé. You know, you have to drink it very, very fast. So Sautern. Sautern has been described, and I quote, as a wine made by masochists, drunk by hedonists. What do you make of that description? <laughs> uh, no, for me, it's absolutely the, the opposite, the contrary. If you consider that working more in more complicated condition, yes, it could be a masochism. But when, at the end, uh, you produce something incomparable, uh, it's exactly the opposite. Uh, at the end, you don't get pain, but an intense pleasure. Uh, so, no, I don't, I, I'm not at all masochist. <laughs> but really hedonist. Oh. And why, why should people drink more Sauterne? Just because it's something uh, delicious, an extraordinary product uh, with a wide aromatic, a wine of emotion, a nice value for money. And I think something, a wine easy to match with multiple dishes uh, at all ages. Young Sauterne has an aperitif, uh, mature with a dish, old with a cheese. Uh, and it's a wine that goes through time. So, so there are so much reason to, 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 to buy Sauterne, yeah, and to drink Sauterne. Do you have a, a favorite match? Oh, yes. I think it's very traditional. I, I, I am classical, but with Roquefort. Uh, I don't like too much uh, dessert, but uh, what, my, yeah, and also turn with uh, my 2000 with uh, Roquefort today. Uh, yeah, it's so a nice time. Yeah. Oh, that sounds, that sounds too good. I want, I want it now. Um, but uh, no, moving on from Sauterne, you also make dry whites, uh, including La Semillante, which is uh, an oak aged old vine semillon. Can you tell us about your dry, dry white wines? It's a great love story. Uh, this old Semillon of Bordeaux uh, planted in high density on, on the great terroirs are something unique. Uh, and for me, it, it was it was just a, une rencontre, uh, a meeting, a meeting. Sorry, <laughs> a meeting no. in my cellar because. Uh, I wanted to explore, that's what I explained before, just before, and to, to try to, 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 to produce dry white wine. The first time, uh, two barrels, one of Sauvignon and one of Semillon. And uh, every day uh, I tasted the, 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 the wine and I, I saw that it, it, I had something unique in my cellar. Uh, and I discovered that. I didn't expect it that. That's why I, I, 
I asked some people to to open their uh, their cellar, and uh, I was very lucky because uh, I tasted old, very old uh, semillon, uh, 1954 dry from Chateau Gillette, uh, an old Chateau Fiosal, um, and it was absolutely exceptional. And I understood semillon could be absolutely uh, understanding. Uh, and actually today, of course, people, people are working more and more on, on dry white wine and because they are great wines. They are, they are indeed. Yes, they really are. So, so you, you now make that regularly, La Semillon. And, and Semillon, how, how long have you been making that? I started in 2009, but in the beginning it was a blend. And now 100% of Semillon, but always a blend because with two, two maturities, uh, with on citrus and exotic. Uh, so I wait before before the two harvest. And I just you were you were saying you you focus on sustainability, um, and I think you're experimenting with biodynamics, aren't you? Is is that right? When you are wine grower, when you are farmer, you're interested in your soil, uh, of course, in, in sustainability of your culture, uh, in your plant in heritage, and. You explore always different work to ways to work in relation with nature, and like sixty five percent of Bordeaux of the Bordeaux vineyards, uh, we have been awarded the the label High Environmental Value, uh, the, the highest level, and we work uh, and do research uh, in the vineyards with my neighbors. We are we are very interested in agroforestry, like Cheval Blanc today. And, and we follow very closely young companies working in robotics, in drones, etc. And but, but is it not slightly tricky uh, in a in a, a microclimate like Sauterne, where you've got the the perfect conditions for botrytis, which are moist, damp in the mornings? Is that not really challenging with biodynamics and organics um, to manage that? Yes, it is, of course. And that's that's so challenging. And that's what I like. Uh, you, you say, uh, are you a majocist? No, but I think I like the game uh, and I like the challenge. And perhaps to, to produce Sotean, you, you must be like that. Yeah. Now, just moving, the final question, really. Um, you've also opened a guest house. Um, you've just won a major tourism award. Congratulations. How important is tourism to the future of your estate and Sauterne and actually Bordeaux in, in general, do you feel? Uh, we have a, a wonderful place, uh, a very beautiful uh, we We have on the road of Grave and Sauterne uh, an incredible wealth of an heritage, mini castle, an exciting uh, ecosystem. And yes, tourism uh, is uh, an economic opportunity for the whole region. Uh, at the time uh, of post-COVID, uh, people are happy to spend time uh, in quite a nice landscape. We are so happy to, to share and to have good moments with great wine. And, and finally, uh, what is a wine? Uh, that's why we produce wine to, to, to share with to, to share with people, with friends. What a lovely thought, Laure, Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Thanks to you, Susie. <laughs> 
it's nice to hear the Baudelaire keen to share their wines with us. It's not something you hear the whole time. You know, that's, <laughs> I think sounds, they probably are. It sounds, sounds simple, but you know, it is actually. It's nice to hear that. And I, generally speaking, do you think it's fair to say that the Baudelaire are opening up a bit now? You're encouraging, actually, you know, actively Visits. encouraging people to visit. Yeah, you know, yeah. It wasn't always the case in the past, I think it's fair No, no. But I mean, let's let's face it, there are so many things to see and do in Bordeaux um, as a visitor these yeah, days. You know, yeah. One development is the, the Cité du Vin, uh, which is an amazing building with interactive exhibits. And actually, that was where Laure was speaking uh, to us from, to mm. me from. And she was picking up her tourism award, wasn't she? And, and mm. the apparently the Wi-Fi is better there than it is at the chateau. Um, but I, I loved her comment about particularly about wanting to push the car to see what's under the yeah. hood in terms yeah. of trying new things with winemaking, experimenting, exploring, see what where she can go with it. Yeah, I love that expression. It just captured the whole thing really, really well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think that is exactly what makes Bordeaux quite exciting right now. You know, Jane touched on it in our last episode too. That sort of um, restless innovation, you know, that's always been the case in Bordeaux in the past. You know, sometimes we don't necessarily give it the credit for no, that. No, no, um, but, but we'll come to that in our next interview. Yeah, that's we? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We talk about that in the next interview. But you know, I, 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 I don't know. I do think there seems to be a sense of a new era in the region right now. You I know, agree, totally. Sustainability, totally. exploring new styles. All these things, I think it's just a new frontier now and it's a different yeah. region from what it was before. You know, I mean, Laura, what did she mention? She mentioned robotics, didn't she, and mm. drones, mm. Um, as well as the sort of agroforestry drive that she's doing, as well as people like Cheval Blanc, which Jane talked yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, Jane last, mentioned that in our, episode, in our, know, our last episode, didn't she? Yes, yeah, yeah. To plant yeah, trees. Yeah. And these are some of the most expensive wines in the world. I so know, each of those know, vines know, is presumably know, highly profitable, but yeah. you're taking them out to put in trees. It's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like a new mentality. Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way, absolutely. I mean, partly, maybe partly fueled by climate change, the, the need to adapt and, and innovate being greater than ever, really. Yeah, Let's yeah. face it, for everybody in the mm. wine world. Um, Law did mention actually to me that they're changing their canopy management and rootstock selection because of this. Um, yeah. And I think it, it's typical across the region. People are re-evaluating. They are, as we said, disrupting. Yeah, yeah. A disruption happens in wine. It, it happens does. in Bordeaux. Rupturiste. Oh, Rupturiste. Rupturiste. It's harder to say I, can't, than I to find do. that really hard to say. <laughs> yes, I don't know why. But anyway, so disrupting it's, it's easier is easier. after a glass of golden sauternes. <laughs> <slipped laughs> That's my throat. problem. Oh, <laughs> yeah, another mouthful. Um, Why did I not no, think I, of I also that? did like a comment about, about, well, she denied being a masochist, didn't she, first off? And then she, I also love the way she pronounces masochist. Yeah, oh, well, it's, it's not so the easiest word. But then she said, but but she does love the game. And I think that was a lovely distinction to make. She loves the game. Yeah. And you think, the challenge, absolutely. We said yeah, she's yeah. A, a, somebody who loves a challenge. Now, someone else who loves the game and who also likes Sautern, as well as dry whites, is Olivier Cazenave. Now, I caught Olivier after a morning in the cellar uh, and he proudly showed me his, his sort of wine-stained hands uh, <laughs> on the screen. So Olivier is originally from Libourne, um, but he didn't have a particular background in wine. Um, apparently, he caught the bug aged 17. Uh, he owns Chateau de Belle uh, in Entre-de-Mer and has been described as a renegade and perhaps the most radical winemaker in Bordeaux. Uh, so clearly a man not afraid to defy convention. And I started by asking him what motivates him to do that. Only, only the pleasure, you know. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not for communication. It's not for. It's not because I'm angry against somebody or something or some institution. I don't care really. I don't care all that. Um, no, it's just because I have some ideas and um, I sometimes too much, but sometimes I have good ideas. So uh, I try to 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 bring them uh, until a result and uh, 
That's why I don't care, in fact, the, the, the weight of the tradition. I don't care. For me. It's not for me. You managed the estate along biodynamic lines since 2016. Yeah. How has that changed things for you, for, for, for the land, and, and most importantly, for the wines? Um, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, for me, a lot, because, because I, I really knew with the pleasure of, uh, of uh, walking and, uh, and working in the vineyards, you know, um, because it's more healthy for, 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 for me and for my uh, surroundings. Um, for, for the soils, it's incredible, you know. Uh, it was funny this, uh, this summertime in, in June, a lot of rain in Bordeaux, a lot of, you know, we have never seen that since 25 years. Uh, all the estate around were under the water. And, uh, but here, no, because drainage, you know. Uh, the soil is, is much more living. We have uh, earthworm like snakes, you know, like that. <laughs> um, they, they make a very good job in the soils, plus many plants. So it's the drainage is fantastic. That means it's not only for the rain, it's for anything, for oxygen, when, when the soils need oxygen, it's for roots, when the roots need to get some water deeper or to, to, to get freshness. It's, it's good for everybody, you know. Uh, the, the vineyard, so, is more healthy. The, the color change. It's not the, the green is different. The green of the leaves has changed comparing to my neighbor. You know, uh, it's not the same green. It's not uh, too pale and not too dark. It's it's between. It's maybe it's natural greenness of the leaf leaves. Um, and the wine, frankly, I don't know. I don't know the wine. I, I'm too involved. Uh, it's so difficult sometimes. For my wine, I cannot say yes. Uh, for some wines, I can that I try blindly, you know. I can say, okay, this wine is uh, is at least organic or uh, maybe biodynamic because you. I have two sensations. One is uh, sometimes purity. That's a very good, uh, very good uh, comment. And sometimes it's uh, it's not purity, but it's uh, a naturality. That means some defaults, but some qualities bigger than defaults. And uh, not nature wine, naturality is different. Frankly, it's very difficult because it's a rule. Uh, but when you are in biodynamic, your mind has changed, so you make wine differently. So it's very difficult to, okay, to analyze and say, oh, this one is done, you know? No, I really understand what you're saying. I think it's very difficult and, and fair enough not to be drawn on... Uh... <laughs> on exactly what differences it makes who knows but uh, for the land and for you it does make a big difference but um talking talking about your wines you know it's notable in your wines that you you're aiming for lower alcohols you know food friendly wines that aren't showy just just very drinkable you know you also say or you have said you make the opposite of star wines you know just just tell us more about your approach in that sense uh okay um as I said before, I make the wine I like. So I don't care about a wine spectator, uh, uh, what they expect or, you know, I, I don't care all of that. You know, I'm very happy if I have a good notation, you know, uh, for sure. But I follow my taste. I follow my, my, my wine have changed, you know, since 20 years I make wine. They have changed because I've changed. So I make the wine with lower degree, 
with a more uh, less maybe less aging for some more for others. Uh, I go more on the extremes because of experience and so on. And you know, uh, Echappe Bell in in both white and red are non-vintage wines. Yes. That, that's pretty rare. You know, it, it's a region. Bordeaux's a region where it's all about the latest vintage. So, so why do that? Uh, there are three reasons. Uh, main one is uh, I'm fed up with the vintage in Bordeaux. You know, this this uh, holy vintage. So uh, I say uh, I say uh, bad word. And, and uh, we, we, we erase the vintage. You know, like in Champagne, you will never ask to a Champagne person, why don't you put a vintage? Because it's the tradition. So uh, I, I follow this tradition. Second reason is sometimes, as this particular range, Chapé Bell, red and white, I want a result, okay? I'm not working on the terroir and so on. I want a result in mouth. So sometimes I, blend vintage, like in Champagne, you know? Sometimes you have one, two, three vintage different in the bottle, okay? And the third reason is, I don't remember, uh, is, is many, uh, yes, is to change from, uh, from the, the vintage. Uh, uh, it's too demanding now, the vintage. So they don't want, they will not want a 21 because it's not a very good one. No, we can make good wines also because we work hard, and uh, and we will not sit on our stock and say, okay, let's let's wait next year, you know. And the Echappe Belle Blanc isn't isn't like other Bordeaux whites. Uh, it's mostly Muscadelle uh, with a bit of Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, you know, why did you go down that route? First reason, I don't like Sauvignon in Bordeaux. I don't like the style. I like some some Sauvignon, but very few. Okay. Uh, for me, Sauvignon must be in a, in a very specific terroir, uh, calcaire, limestone. On that, and uh, with a good ripeness, okay, I have my, my opinion on that, you know, uh, for Bordeaux. So, I don't like Sauvignon. Uh, Sauvignon is okay, but, but I discovered Muscadet in, in Dordogne, uh, with the Luc de Conti. Uh, I really, really like this wine, and I've heard that there are many in uh, Entre-de-Mer, in Sauternes, but they are, they don't like the grape because, uh, it's not so easy to, to run. Okay. And, and also the wine is interesting after one or two years of aging, even in a, in a stainless tank, you know. So, so it's not for Bordeaux people because normally in the end of July, you have sold all your last, uh, vintage, you know. So, uh, they don't know what to do with the grape. So they, they, uh, don't uh, renew the vineyard with, with Muscadet. They give up. Uh, and I try to defend that. I, I try to show all the uh, possibilities in Bordeaux, where, which were very traditional, you know, mm. uh, a point important. Uh, in uh, between two walls, in Bordeaux, you have registered more than 13 white grapes. 13. Hein? Un, trois, treize. So, uh, uh, now we have three, uh, you know, uh, two, we have two, you know, in fact. Mm. So that, that showed that historically Bordeaux were producing much more white than red first in, uh, uh, until the, the 1750s. And, uh, and we had many grapes like Chenin, you know, I have plenty of Chenin in my vineyard. Just I look at the window, I see my Chenin grapes, you know. 
because they were, they were, I like to create, but they were in the, before. And we have the good soils for that. So um, just to explain that you have not only Sauvignon, Sauvignon, and uh, we need to defend this uh, patrimoine, patrimoine. Yeah, heritage, the, the, the heritage of Bordeaux, which as you say, there's a lot of white heritage in Bordeaux. Um, you've also started making an orange wine, the, the Vortex Atlantique, which I tried recently, delicious. You know, tell us about that. Why are you doing that in Bordeaux? You know, again, something a bit unexpected. <laughs> okay, because um, I, I already do one in, uh, in Roussillon with a friend. It's called Tatsima, it's, but it's a very uh, heavy orange wine, you know, more than between three, four weeks of maceration. Wow, it's uh, 15 degrees. It's a heavy metal uh, range wine, you know, Grenache uh, uh, gray and white uh, grapes. So um, very tannic. And my idea was to make something lighter, something more elegant uh, and also more accessible because I, I don't like the, okay, these wines are fashionable at the moment, okay? That's why, People uh, who produce wine, I don't know, at 10 euros, okay, this one will be 20. Why? You don't know, because it's not a lot of work more than the red, the same. So my idea also was to make an, an orange wine at the same price as a Chapebel range, you know, because it's the same work. And it's not because it's fashionable that I will uh, double my price. For me, that's the best way to, to kill, to kill the, the, the product, you know. And, and it's funny to change, you know, I have many other projects. You know. uh, I'm making a Rencio in Muscadel. Uh, I'm making uh, a, a black and white grape uh, blend, you know, Merlot Sémillon. Okay, so many projects are in my mind or in the cellars already. Um, just because even I come back to history, uh, they, they uh, did the same before, you know. It was okay. It was working. So uh, why not uh, doing now? You know, to change. I'm curious. About so the future of Bordeaux may be a little bit white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a, a better respectability for the white. That's what I expect. Olivier Casnav, thank you very much indeed. Okay, uh, hope meeting you soon in real. Earthworms like snakes. I'm not sure I'd like that at all. Um, <laughs> that might catch your uh, yeah. But but the Rancio Muscadel, you know, I do I do like the sound of that. Now, um, yeah, he's doing some really interesting things, isn't he? He really is. He, wow. He, he has for a while, you know, non-vintage stuff. Um, really, you know, the focus on elegance in his wines. Um, also, the orange wine, you yeah. know, and the Chenin Blanc he's got planted. You know, he is clearly doing a lot of experiments. I think he he alluded to it, didn't he? So yeah. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to go and visit him. We in need his to visit. To yeah, find I'm out dying exactly to go. What he's got cooking. It's yeah. like you could just see him sort of all these little pots and yeah. steaming and bubbling away. And, you know. <laughs> I mean, you said you, he had just come from his cellar, hadn't he? But did yeah. he say anything about the, the 2021 oh, yeah, yeah. harvest? Yeah. Yes, he did. Vintage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2021 harvest. It, it was before we started recording, actually. But, um, you know, he said his hands weren't stained as much as normal uh, to make the point that it's a much lighter, lighter vintage. Lighter vintage, yeah. I, mean, I think it's something we've talked about this in 
terms of England, haven't we? But yeah. 2021 yeah. is not the easiest vintage no. in, in many parts of Europe. I think it's been a really hard vintage in Bordeaux. Lots of, of rain. rain, weird weather patterns, a bit of rot, you know, as there has been in the UK. You know, he says it's not as bad as 2013. It might be a sort of lighter version of 2014, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But either way, mm. people are having to work, have had to work hard and continue to work hard. Oh, it's, it's, not no, it's not an easy life, is it, being a winemaker? Good Lord. Have a sense of what was another interesting thing I thought was how he's rescuing and focusing on muscadel, um, mm. which is really not a variety you see or, well, we would see or talk about a lot, really. We think of Semillon and Sauvignon and a little bit of muscadel, but, but you know, his is good, isn't it? It really is. You know, the Echappelle Belle Blanc non-vintage, it's just it's well worth trying. It's 15 quid at pipwine.co.uk. So the current wine apparently is a blend of the 2020, 19 and 18 vintages. It spent nine months on the lees and it's just, I know, it's really serious and mouth-filling, quite sort of grapey and honeyed with a touch of orange rind, just sort of lovely rich texture and spice. I mean, and, and more important than everything, it's just a bit different. It's My not mouth your, is watering. It's not your average expression. No, I'm sorry, we haven't got any here. My, well, uh, but like, I was just about to say, yeah, on which note, we have been tasting a few we whites, have haven't we? And we have some to recommend, do we, we not? Do. We absolutely yeah. do, don't we? So, so, okay, we're going we're gonna to go quick fire through this. You know, first up, it, it's not a dry white or a sweet wine. It's a fizz. Because, mm. of course, Bordeaux does fizz. Cremant de Bordeaux. Uh, it's not hugely renowned style, but, you, you know, you can do it there. And sometimes there's some interesting things that go into it. So this is the, the premier's Cremant de Bordeaux, Brut Non-Vintage. It's about 10 to 12 quid or 15 to $20 in the US. So it's pretty good value. Mm -hmm. And it's a blend of Semillon, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Muscadel. I hadn't realised Cabernet yeah, was in there. There's often some red Cabernet grapes thrown in into Cremant de Bordeaux because, of course, you it's make really them nice. as a white yeah. wine like you would yeah. do Pinot Noir. Yeah, yeah. Many. You know, uh, this one's spent 12, mine, 12, 12 wines, 12 months on the lease. <laughs> and it's quite it's, it's quite rich, isn't it? It's quite it rich is. and bready and satisfying. It's just well made. And, you yeah. know, it's a really enjoyable Cremant. It's quite refreshing. It's Moorish. Mm. It's a bit buttery. It's just great value. Good value. Right, really good value. What have you got? So, well, in the spirit of, of good value <laughs> options, um, I've got the, the Calvet Limited Edition Sauvignon Blanc 20. 2020, which is about twelve dollars mm. in the US or nine pounds at Waitrose, Ocado, Co-op. But obviously, it can be often on discount. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I'm not going to lie here. You know, I'm not a fan of the packaging. It doesn't look mm. very it's contemporary. It's quite old-fashioned, and it, I, I think that sort of undersells the wine because when you taste it, mm. it is tangy. It's fresh. It's got that sort of classic pea pod and tomato leaf of of Sauvignon. There's some nice texture. Mm. It's just a really lovely bottle of. Bordeaux. It's got a Bordeaux taste and it's Bordeaux Sauvignon. You think, brilliant. Yeah. I just wish they'd put it yeah. in a slightly more well, contemporary we package. Well, I agree. It's, it's a lovely, it very classic Bordeaux expression of Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really lovely and great value, I think. Nine especially quid, when it's yeah. discounted. Yeah. yeah. So um, picking up on Jane's tip for good value in Bordeaux, um, look to the whites. That's that's mm. a really good good option. Um, so I've got one that's a bit different in style, but equally, I think, amazing value. It's the Cuvée Clémence 2019 by Cheval. Kangal uh, entre deux mers. It's oak aged. It's seventy percent Sauvignon Blanc. It's twenty percent Semillon. Ten percent Muscadet. It's that classic oak aged Bordeaux style. Mm, that sort of that ta love. creamy tangerine, but it's got really refreshing acidity. I think for me, it's spot on in terms of yeah. what I want from an oaks white Bordeaux. And it's really good value at the moment. It's under ten quid on offer at Vinatis. We don't don't know them particularly, but. Mm. 
Uh, that's online in the UK. Or, you know, you can get it under 10 euros in Germany and France. That mm. is a total steal. I mean, I suppose we, we ought to say at this moment, it is quite hard, isn't it, to know whether you're getting an oak-aged or a, a you know, very fresh that's style of, of things, Bordeaux. It's yeah. a bit like white Rioja, you know. Yes. Or it's really tricky, isn't it, to know. Mm. I mean, I would say probably as a massive generalisation, this is probably um, an exception to the rule. The oak-aged ones tend to be a bit more expensive, Absolutely, don't yeah. they? Usually, um, yeah, usually and, talking sort of 15 quid plus yeah, for a good, yeah. good Cause, oak-aged cause Otherwise, how do you know? You know, unless you... No, Absolutely know but the then you wine, can talk so. about the same about Riesling or, yeah. or, or you know, yeah, there's lots, and yes, whatever. It's, it's tricky, Sometimes isn't it? Sometimes you don't know um, what exactly the style, you know, or getting yeah. to know a good producer and just yeah, following I them. think that's probably the way to do it, isn't it? Mm. But anyway, moving up the price charts, which is what we're going to do now, mm. um, I've got two um, pretty impressive dry whites here. The first is Le Merle Blanc mm. de Chateau Clark 2019. Which is smelling and tasting absolutely mm, delicious. You know, it's twenty six fifty from Bell Davis McCraith, uh, US about thirty five to forty dollars. Yeah. But you've got that complexity. It's layered. It's oaky, but there's some lovely fruit there in a very kind of grapefruity. More, I think that's more what I love. Herbal that's way. What I love this. about white borders. Often you get that pink grapefruit. Yeah, I love that. And it's almost got kind of shabby style minerality, but then mm. more nutty, orangey characters that you would expect from Bordeaux. Yeah, um, yeah. And then actually, the other one I've got mm. is one of Laure's wines, uh, uh, the one we, we talked about, La, La Semillante de Sigalas 2015. This is uh, $27.95 at Phil Glass and Swigert. Uh, you can also get it in the US around $25. Um, I think it's also in New Zealand, available mm. in New Zealand. And this is really complex. It's full-bodied you know mm. it's you can see from the color can't you it's it's a really golden yeah. full-bodied dry bordeaux white you've got lots of orange peel there roasted nuts there's a spiciness and um, you know it needs some good food to go with it doesn't yeah, it something okay, hearty well, what, what food? well i i'm i was i was thinking about some of these more oaky bordeaux wines and i'm thinking really um something cl- for me classically french where you know when you get that french casserole i don't even know what you'd call it where it's it's mushrooms or morels mm. with um some chicken but on the bone with the skin mm. and you pan fry it and then make it into a casserole with some creamy sauce and maybe wine and mustard and that sort of thing i think that would be delicious um mm. equally just some aged conte Mm. Or another thing I thought, you know, something like a really, I'm going to call it tarte because it's French. Tarte. So it's a tarte. In England, it's a quiche. Uh, but, you know, like a cheese and caramelised red onion style quiche, tarte, whatever, would be a, a warm slice of that with some nice buttery pastry. I'm going to have to stop you there because you're going to talk about food all day. But I know. Well, you know you that get me going? Me of? Have you, you heard that me. thing on the internet, which is um, the, the, the take on the Michael Jackson song? Billie Jean and it goes pizza tart and pizza tart and pizza and it's all it's Billie Jean and it's a French French cuisine does Billie Jean and it's just and it's just just and it's hilarious if you can find I don't know how the oh hell you find that but goodness. it is the first thing is, 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 is pizza 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 hours. pizza and it goes pizza tart and pizza tart and pizza and it's maybe we can't find relevant. it you'll have to do the whole that's song for us maybe and maybe we need to just play it on the next podcast absolutely either way but I mean you know the semillon is just as much about age though as well isn't it lovely yeah, yeah, semillon yeah. character coming it's, through it's got it's some beautiful so, it's really lovely both really of those is. are really really There's lovely so wines. much diversity in white bordeaux that yeah. you can discover it's, it's yeah, yeah, not credited yeah. enough anyway i mean I, I think it is amazing anyway so we're going to move on from the dry whites to the sweet whites just a couple of wines to finish on uh, the first one is chateau la ram uh r-a-m-e 2018 it's from saint croix du mont it's it's a good value option. It's 13 quid for 50 CL, so three quarters of a bottle, uh, a majestic one in the UK. You can get it in the US for about 20 to $25. It's just, I think, for the value, Santa Claus, these, these sort of other appellations, places, exactly, yes, not just Sauternes. They're not the well They can Sauternes. make some really good value mm. sweet wines, very mm. much in the Sauternes style. So this is just full of kind of what? 
honey and roasted pear and barley sugar. It's, but and importantly, when you drink it, it's not too sickly sweet. So again, you can have this with with, with yeah. Some of the I mean, I would food. say the sweet wines of Bordeaux don't tend to be crazily sweet, do they? So um, well, they they're obvious. They are sweet styles, in, in isolation, so but um, can be really opulent. And partly because the acidity can. is not quite as racy as something like Tokai or, or, a, a, or a really a Riesling. You know, I think yeah. I think we prefer the ones that are slightly lighter as well because it's not so full on. So the other one that I've got here is the Lieutenant de Cigalas 2015, another wine from Lourdes. It's, I think it's their second um, sweet wine. It's about 25 quid for a, a full bottle at Harrogate Wines. Um, you know, it's really sort of clean and precise yes. and elegant. elegant and it's got it? lovely acidity. Yeah. It's quite lifted. So it's not, it's sweet, but the impression is not of cloying sweetness. It, it's um, a lovely wine. And the, the top wine also is, is made the in the same is, style, is, is isn't it? It's a very similar style. Yeah, but we yeah. love this one because it's really good value. It's, think, be, it's, it's, it's obviously much, you much less expensive. this at about 15 quid. Um, it's also available in the US. It's well worth trying. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think that, you know, we did actually try it with, with Law's uh, recommendation of, of, of Rock Four, didn't we? Yes, and yeah. Beautiful. I mean, there, there is a reason why some things are classic matches, mm. isn't it? Isn't yeah. there? And, and, you know, Sauterne and Blue Cheese, you know, yeah. Sauterne and Rock Four, absolute match made in heaven with the saltiness and the creaminess and then that beautiful orange barley sugar Richness. nutty fruit that you get and spice and just it's just a beautiful washes beautiful. you away on waves <sighs> of golden bliss bordonus cheers <laughs> okay. to that eh? yeah anyway here's to the white wines of bordeaux thanks mm. to the civb and also to jane anson lord de lambert compero and olivier cazenave yeah well if you'd like to leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcast we'd be hugely appreciative um it does help because it other like-minded people can find us. Plus, you might even be able to win the odd prize, you know. Mm. Check out our last, last two podcast episodes for more details about that, but we'll have many more opportunities to come as well. And don't forget, we'll have Bordeaux-themed bottles up for grabs in our next and final part of this mini-series on the region, coming very soon, which will focus on the hotbed of innovation that are the Bordeaux coat. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>